accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government. Helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world. remember that in a world that loves the state, anarchists are supervillains. Uh, <laughs> revel in it. Don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, anyway. Oh, boy. <laughs> Got another little uh, Sovereign Tech quickie here for you. And this one is going to be about CES or International CES or what used to be called, though you are informed to no longer call it this. And Wikipedia honestly needs to uh, needs to catch up no. <laughs> uh, the computer electronics show, which is held pretty much every year in Las Vegas. They've been doing it since 1967. I have attended a few times uh, in the past, uh, you know, due to past employment and really just past interest. Uh, really, I would I would end up there and then I'd go over to the, uh, you know, at, at the same time later on, I would go over to the Hilton for the uh, 
what some may remember was the Star Trek experience. Boy, it was a hell of a time to hang out on the promenade there. But anyway, uh, this year and if ever, I don't I don't think I'd ever go to CES ever again. Um, I was victim to the CES flu uh, that that is commonplace, which a lot of people might know about. And what this is, is just there's so many people there and you're there for like a week or however many days and you end up with, you know, you just end up getting sick. Like somebody shows up with a cold and you end up and everybody ends up catching it, uh, you know, just because the, the you know, the overall festivities uh, of the of the of the conference. And uh, so, you know, I've definitely been privy to that in the past. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the CES, uh, it's. You know, it's kind of known now, apparently, for showing off things that will never get released. Now, I guess that's kind of that must be a more modern thing, you know, to to happen there, because I've certainly seen plenty of, you know, I'd, I'd have to say most of the things I've seen at CES end up getting released depends on which because there's different sections that you go to. Uh, there's like an area for startups. There's a. So, but, but by and large, the bulk of the things that I think you, you catch at CES really do become available and, uh, in large part, probably recently due to the, due to Kickstarter, you know, uh, I think that that allow you know, a lot of the self-funding is what allows that to become a bigger deal. Uh, but I remember a couple of years, you know, long, you know, maybe, maybe a decade ago where I, you know, I got to say most of what I saw there actually ended up coming out in one form or another, maybe not by the same company, but they would end up getting bought out by one of the big boys and it would eventually get released. Um, so anyway, whatever people talk about that, how this is the place to go to see things that never get released. And I guess to some degree that's true, but by and large, I, I don't, I don't think I, in my experience, I haven't necessarily found that to be accurate. Of course, you know, maybe in recent booms, it's, or, you know, lack of booms <laughs> in, in the over the past decade maybe that wasn't true anymore i don't know so anyway uh ces so as far as the good things that have come out of it but there's certainly plenty of bad things to to talk about but uh but the good things that have come out of out of ces uh is well really i can think of it there was a lot of ar and a lot of vr a lot of uh, augmented reality and virtual reality course we talked a lot about that in just the the past episode episode 106 of sovereign tech where we had the lovely and hyper intelligent dr stephanie murphy uh the amazing Paige peterson uh was was here as well and of course ryan taylor uh from the the block tech uh group or the blockchain technology group uh that was uh, that was a fantastic episode a lot of people really enjoyed it glad to glad to hear it was enjoyed uh and we we talked about virtual reality there well it was definitely a highlight at CES. So now, while I think a lot of these technologies will at least get implemented or whatever, as far as the AR and the VR, maybe this is what people really mean is that not, not that the technology doesn't get released, but it never leaves test markets because it never ends up doing really very well, or it just kind of the technology more flounders, not that it doesn't come out, just that it comes out and nobody gives a shit you know, kind of like 3D and, and, you know, some other TV technologies, which I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to get into yet. Uh, so anyway, glad to see a lot of AR and VR. Uh, Epson had a pretty interesting, yes, that Epson had a pretty interesting uh, AR implementation, you know, augmented reality implementation there that seemed to do Google Glass right in a way, uh, if Google Glass can be even done right. But that's, 
another story. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, whether you do it right or not, I agree. I have to agree with Mike Elgin's point that, you know, as long as it has a camera on it, uh, people have not been browbeaten into giving up that much, uh, seemingly into giving up that much privacy yet. Uh, certainly they don't mind telling everything that happens on Facebook. They've, they've crossed, they, they've gotten over that hump, uh, sadly, but, uh, you know, the, the idea of AR, or, you know, of, of a camera being attached to one's face at all times, that doesn't seem to have have caught have caught on as as normal yet. Uh, so anyway, and I would, you know, really, OK, no, you know, not anyway, because I debate that that's ever really going to happen, because what it takes, it seems for that, you know, for the to, to get over those those privacy, you know, bump uh, speed bumps uh, or anti privacy speed bumps. What it usually takes is the up and coming generation. Okay, like Facebook was hot with the with college uh, people, and you know, and with, with college attend with college students, uh, and so and and then that you know that just that just spread from there. Now the thing is, is that I think if you have Google Glass, I don't know if that's going to catch on with the next the the up and coming generation, whatever that you end up wanting to call that, just because the up and coming generation seems to be very concerned about its privacy from its parents. Because there's so much technology and so much apps and hardware and whatever being released and put out there to track the shit out of children. Uh, and, and you know, they, they don't kids don't want that because they want to go do things that are socially unacceptable. Not wrong things, per se, but things that are socially unacceptable. So I don't see Google Glass catching on just because of that. Just or I don't see, you know, this this always on kind of camera that parents would be able to have access to, uh, you know, to, to be necessarily popular just because of that. So that that's sort of my reasoning there may be faulty. I don't think so. But, uh, you know, it might be. So anyway. Now, anyway, because I got way off track, one of the good things that I saw come out of CES and it's already available to buy again, this is the thing, you know, people talk about, holy shit, oh, you'll never see this stuff come out. Well, that that's not entirely accurate because this is something that got released is Dell showed off a new line of computers. Now there's one within this line that is really interesting. And I know, I mean, obviously Dell has gotten beyond uh, for many reasons, they've gone beyond the whole stigma of "dude, it's Adele." Uh, <laughs> ridiculous marketing uh, campaign from the late '90s and, and early aughts. Uh, <laughs> and Dell, uh, they, they released the Dell XPS 13. Now, this is a 13-inch computer, okay, and it's really slim. It's uh, it's not the thinnest or the lightest computer. Uh, I guess it, it's comparable to the thinness of the air. So maybe it's at least matching up in that regard. Uh, it is not as lightweight as one of Lenovo's offerings, which is the lightest uh, 13 inch out there. But here's the thing is that this Dell XPS 13 is the bezel is only five millimeters thick. It's really tiny. So like you could put two of these things next to each other and you and there's barely a line in the middle of the screen. OK, so, you know, if you want to do a double screen, you wouldn't do this. This is impractical. It's just proving the point of how thin this is. And th what that allows for is, again, not the lightest, not the thinnest but arguably the smallest overall 13-inch computer out there. And 13-inch for me is kind of a sweet spot. Uh, it's as far as screen size and portability. And to make a 13-inch screen size, 
that much smaller, you know, to where it's almost the size of what most would consider like an 11 inch, uh, you know, uh, laptop. Oh, that's amazing. That's exciting for me. I love that kind of portability out of a laptop because that's the thing with, with laptops, you know, uh, I never, I didn't really, I had laptops, but I never really took them seriously, honestly, until the netbooks came out when the laptop became a seven inch machine, like with the original Asus or Asus EPC, uh, or even the, the nine, uh, was it the 901 HA there were the 900 HA that came out after that, which was a nine inch screen. You know, when, when they became the size of a hardback, you know, of, of a hardcover, uh, novel. That's when I took notice. That's when I said, okay, laptops have serious functionality now because when I'm dragging around, cause I remember having an, actually an old Inspiron, uh, you know, speaking of Dell laptops, uh, y- you know, years and years ago, and I, you know, had music on it and whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put this in my car. I had it in the middle of my Lincoln town car. I'm like, I'm going to put this in my car and I want to see, you know, so I had plenty of room to put this thing, but it still, it just took up so much goddamn space and it wouldn't allow the passenger to have fun with me, you know, with it sitting in the middle there. So I just always thought laptops were relatively impractical, you know, for, for uses outside of, you know, perhaps being at Starbucks, uh, which, you know, I, I never, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going to Starbucks now, but at the time it wasn't like a thing to do, you know, or for, you know, just carrying it around, but to have it like actually do a shit ton of things, you know, be a big part of, you know, of, of everything that you're doing. I didn't think laptops were really practical until netbooks hit the ground. Uh, and I know netbooks are like an anathema in, uh, you, you know, in, in the tech world today, but I, I think that's fucking ridiculous because really that's the space the tablets are filling. Uh, they just kind of morphed. Netbooks aren't, d- didn't die. The idea of real mobile computing, mobile productivity computing and multitasking computing uh, just kind of shifted forms. And really, in many ways, the netbooks are, are kind of coming back. And I think that this Dell XPS 13 is sort of a, a tribute to that. But amazingly, I mean, you know, again, 13 inches, a 13 inch screen in a computer, you know, the size of, of an 11 inch more or less. I mean, just phenomenal, uh, way smaller than the MacBook Air. And this has the, the XPS 13 it has the backlit keyboard. Uh, it has, uh, it has the, I think the Broadwell it has the latest Broadwell, which granted that isn't Skylake. And I know Skylake is supposed to be this quantum shift, uh, or, you know, quantum jump in computing. It's not a quantum computer, <laughs> but it's this quantum leap in computing and, uh, or in processors. But, you know, I wonder about that because Intel's kind of done that before where they said, oh yeah, this is going to be the next big shit. And it was by and large underwhelming. So but the Broadwell chip is an up, update from the Haswells, which were pretty pop, you know, powerful for what they are. And they still are pretty powerful. Uh, but the Broadwell allows for more or less, you know, it allows for kind of a, a, if you do it right, a fanless design for one. So the computer you're using can be exceptionally quiet if it's running this Broadwell. Uh, but it also allows for great battery life. And that's that's the other cincher for this Dell XPS 13, which it can get 15 hours 
if you get the 1080p screen, because they offer it with a QHD screen and, and touchscreen, and both of those features mean nothing to me. I'm not interested in a QHD screen, and, uh, and we'll talk about more about pixels in a minute. And I am not interested at all in, in touchscreens on a laptop. That defeats the whole fucking point. You're just going to have smudges and see reflections all the time on these you know, touchscreens. I, I hate them on laptops. So kudos to Dell for offering uh, you know, a model of this with a 1080p screen and without the touchscreen. That's, that's great. So, uh, yeah, so, okay, so you've got 15 hours of battery life if you get the non-touchscreen 1080p version with the i5 processor in it. That's incredible. You can also, they sell like this kind of a, a power pack. Dell offers a power pack, which can charge your laptop. You can connect it to your laptop and you can get another seven hours. So you're, t- you know, 20, you know, 21, 22 hours of computing. Woo! Now... No one's had the chance to really test this yet, admittedly. But if it lives up even, you know, even if it's like 80 percent of those specs. Oh, that's that's fucking awesome. (laughs) I love it. Yes, I know there's a Lenovo, you know, was the X220 that can do like if you put the right batteries in, it it can do like 30 hours. Okay, but uh, but this has this has all the right moves, uh, in my opinion. And I really and, and, and it actually it's only a thousand bucks. That's where it beats out the X220. I think the X220 is almost twice that if you outfit it, uh, you know, similarly. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for a thousand bucks to have a 15 hour, you know, computer uh, and, you know, with the backlit keyboard and, and, you know, modern specs and all that, all that, that's fucking exciting. So granted it won't, you know, this is something that comes with windows eight. It's not going to run or, I mean, you could run Linux pretty decently well on it though. I'm, I'm curious what the battery life would look like at that point. Since a lot of times these companies now, what they're doing with windows is they're releasing uh, battery optimization software that really does the job, uh, you know, incredibly like a really, and you know, even though generally I'll turn that shit off, uh, it really does the job and Linux while Linux runs a lot more efficient than windows, uh, today it's getting to the point to where that, that battery optimization software, and it may be, you know, that might be a control trick on the part of, you know, Microsoft and the, uh, you know, and the hardware, uh, developers, you know, it's where they maybe, you know, if one guy, one wants to get conspiratorial, maybe they don't want you using Linux at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, that's, you know, maybe that's what that's all about. But regardless, Linux doesn't seem to run as efficiently on some, some hardware. But by and large, it's still true that Linux will give you the best battery life out of anything, especially if you're using a XFCE or a, uh, you know, an LXDE uh, uh, interface, you know, GUI. So anyway, or distro, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that was the the main. Those were the two good things. Was a lot of the AR VR, and then uh, then that Dell XPS thirteen is fucking insane. Uh, so, but there was a lot of bullshit there too. And again, this is a sovereign tech quickie, so we're not going to go too long with all of this. Uh, but there was a lot of bullshit, including somebody. Uh, there was a company called Aurora Tech, which I thought was a real company. Maybe I should look into it, but maybe I'm thinking of Aurora Tech or something. Uh, but Aurora Tech which they were they were trying to sell off a over unity system. Now over unity we've talked about over unity energy systems we've talked about on Sovereign Tech before. And I think we more or less debunked at least the ones that that were claimed to have been built. And an over unity system is the idea that something puts out more energy than it puts in. And now this goes 
relatively against, depending on which way they're, they're explaining it or implementing it. This kind of goes against the first law of thermodynamics, which you, you, you know, you can't create more energy uh, than what's there. So, you know, some people want to say, well, it gets pulled out of the air. So you're not really creating more blah, 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 whatever. Uh, over unity, as far as, you know, any time we've seen, even by people that apparently know how it all works, that have the schematics and there's plenty of scam artists out there that will that will sell you uh, schematics as well as uh, consultation at a, at a very premium price on how to build an over unity, uh, you know, energy production system. OK, or motor, you know, you know, what, however they, they implement it. And. The one that that is that recently got a lot of press we talked about on Sovereign Tech because you notice they never unplug the the over unity device that they made. And so and and there's no pictures of it doing what it says it does, you know, putting out more energy or grabbing energy from thin air or whatever the fuck it does without it being plugged in, you know, to to essentially an AC socket. So there was guys trying to schlep that stuff off. And, and fortunately, some reporters were there and, and questioned them and even recorded them. And they could not explain the technology themselves. So it was definitely a clear money grab, unlike, you know, or not unlike so many things in Silicon Valley scams everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, people just looking to to kind of pull a fast one, <laughs> you know, on you. Uh, caveat M tour certainly is, is the order of the day in the tech world maybe always has been though. I, I don't think that that's entirely true. I think there was a time, uh, where people were really delivering exciting shit because they loved technology and not necessarily, they didn't have lifestyle obsessions. <laughs> okay. So any, anyway, that that's another subject. Uh, but speaking of lifestyle obsessions, that, uh, that that segues nicely into some of the largest bullshit to come out of CES this year. And, of course, it comes out of CES almost every year. Uh, you know, something that in previous years, in the past few years, actually, that people that a lot of companies, Samsung, uh, you know, go go down the list of, of you know, uh, Alcatel. I mean, a, a whole slew of, of different companies, pretty much as Sony. I mean, you take your pick. These companies were trying to get people to get into uh, 3D televisions. And this might be the number one thing that people like think of CES for is televisions. And this year, holy shit. I, I mean, it just it didn't it didn't stop. They, you know, if you were looking for televisions, uh, there was no disappointment to be had there. Uh, you know, since 3D pretty much flopped and failed and as hard as people marketed and tried to push it onto people, uh, it did not take off at all. And of course, if you look at the I mean, and, and there's just, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. I hear a lot of people say, you know, make this claim that, well, you can't stop the forward march of technology. Once it's here, there's, you know, there's there's nothing that that you can do about it. It's here and you have to deal with it and you're just going to have to figure out, you know, you're going to have to build better technology to, uh, you know, to, to to combat it if you don't like the technology. Now, I think that whole line of reasoning is absolute bullshit. Uh, and 3D is the clear cut case because. 3D, in fact, the 3D that that is even you know largely implemented uh, today, has it's bombed in 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 theaters. 
by and large. I mean, you know, very few movies, you know, unless you are in a major metropolitan area, very few movies make it to the to 90 percent of the rest of the you know, uh, planet and consuming and viewing public uh, do not come out in 3D anymore as to where that was different. There was a while there where they're really pushing these 3D films and you'll still get a few a year, certainly, you know, at least 12 to 20 a year, but not compared to, I mean, you used to get a ton of 3D movies a year. You used to get a whole segment of 3D film trailers before you went into the regular trailers when you used to go to theaters. Uh, and, you know, tell with television, it just, it never took off. I don't think anybody could, much like Google Glass, they couldn't get past the fact that the whole family had to be sitting there like zombies wearing, you know, a big headset or even just, you know, smaller glasses or whatever. People couldn't get over that. And I'm glad that they couldn't get over that. But it proves a point that because like so many other technologies, uh, 3D went through a cycle. It was cyclical and that's OK, but it went through the cycle. But here's the point that got proven is that it was, you know, people didn't fall for it in the 50s and the 60s. And when it came back in the aughts, People didn't fall for it again either. They didn't buy in. And that's the thing. Fine. When the technology's released, it's out there. And, and, you know, what can you do about it? Well, there is something you can do about it. Don't fucking buy it. Don't give in. You know, if you know it's bullshit, then don't buy the bullshit. And tell people. You Be vocal about the fact. You know, I think that technology's bullshit. So, can you stop the forward march? Maybe not. But, you know, can you slow down technology? Maybe not. But can you refuse to take part in it? Largely, if you catch it fast enough, you can do that. You know, a good old fashioned boycotting, more or less, is, is what that is. And that that's worked since time immemorial. So, you know, can you slow down, you know, technology? No, but, you know, not technically, but yes, you actually can in the fact that you don't have to buy in. Now, will they force the stuff upon you, you know, eventually kind of like incandescence and CFLs? Oh, certainly. But, you know, again, make a big enough stink or, you know, a lack of care or whatever, or, you know, pirate, you know, massive boxes of incandescent bulbs or whatever, you know, smuggle them into the country, which a lot of people have done, you know, buy your lawn darts. And believe me, you know, it's not going to matter the the law. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so speaking of bullshit technology, boy, the TVs, you know, now they're now it's all 4K, not just 4K. Because a lot of people are kind of getting into that. I, I've, I've definitely seen that creep in as a standard, certainly in the computer, uh, more in the computer world. But they had TVs there that were 8K. They had TVs that were in 21 by 9. Now, granted, TVs, I like the idea of computer monitors, you know, being uh, being in a, in a wider, uh, you know, wider spectrum be, or being in a, having a wider aspect ratio. OK, because games can actually adapt, you know, video games can adapt to that uh, on computers. That doesn't mean your PlayStation 4 or your Xbox One's going to adapt to that. Uh, OK, but uh, but uh, on a, for a computer monitor, I think it's an interesting idea. And to have that much more productivity real estate, you know, on, say, a 30 inch uh, screen or whatever, to have a larger aspect ratio, I think that makes sense. But by and large, even with 4K. There is little 
you know, source material. And fortunately, apparently a lot of people were asking this question at CES. It's like, okay, I see this 4k TV, but what can I, what exactly, you know, is there a cable channel that I can watch? No. Is there, is there, are there, is there a video format out there that I can watch? You know, are there movies recorded in 4k or whatever that I can watch? Well, there's this uh, documentary that takes place in Africa that you can watch. And, and I mean, how is that a compelling, you know, these TVs cost, you know, the, the down payments of cars are less on cars are less than, than what these TVs TVs cost. And, you know, so it seems like people aren't aren't buying into it this year. I'm amazed. But look at these companies. I mean, how ridiculous, like 8K. You know, I tweeted about this and I was just like, fuck shit. <laughs> how many pixels do we really need? When does this stop? When does the bullshit stop? You know, these, 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 it's, it's really true. These companies are showing you in a very real sense, because again, these TVs aren't the things that are, well, you see them at CES, but then they never come out. No, these are off. A lot of these are probably purchasable today, right now. And I mean, these, these aren't, these aren't innovations. These are literally companies telling you what to buy. Now, that's not a new it's not a new notion, it's not a new idea that's always been kind of the say the the point of advertising or whatever. But now it's just so fucking blatant that they're not selling you anything that actually like matters or somehow improves your life or whatever. They are literally just I mean, they're just they're blatant in the fact that they are no, you have to have this. And they do these disgusting and I won't even get into the fact that like everything that they were showing on all of these screens was just, you know, video of hot women. Okay. And yes, I know that you could also, you know, you could use these, you know, ten thousand dollar AK televisions to see your, you know, your your high definition pictures, not movies, pictures uh, on them. I get that, okay, that that that's something you could use. But holy fuck, if you're using, you know, if you're spending ten thousand dollars on a television to look at your photos, uh, whoa! <laughs> All right. But this is the thing, the marketing campaigns around this, all of this technology, not just the televisions around so much of this shit that gets put out there. Uh, you, you know, and again, you know, showing off like, like in particular, just walking by them because they know, they know that, that you're, you know, you're okay. A lot, there's going to be a lot of nerds at CES. What do nerds want? What can't they get? Oh, women. Well, here you go. You can impress women with, with technology and all this stuff. And listen, there's something to be said, you know, for, for women digging technology. No one's saying anything like that. There's something to be said for people digging technology and whatever. And I get the argument that, well, if he has a 65 inch television, he must be doing things right. Well, you know, he, he must be a, a really, you know, he's, he's earning a lot of money. So uh, I feel safe with him or her or, you know, whatever. Uh, no, listen, he probably got it at rent own. OK, because I think if he's buying, you know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollar 8K televisions or whatever, he or she, whatever, fuck gender agnostic, fuck it. OK, if they're buying that, I think they've got the priorities a little bit out of order. So I don't know who exactly everyone plans on wooing with all this technology, uh, you know, with all this, this bullshit consumer technology. Nonsense. 
Uh, and these ads, I mean, the, the, oh, you should see the ads. They're unbelievable. I mean, you think Samsung's bad. Everybody else is just as bad. Uh, Sony's terrible. You know, I mean, all these, because like they're showing you, oh, look, you, you know, when you have this technology, holy shit, everybody's smiling, having a good time. You're sitting around beautiful people, you know, and all this shit. It's fucking, it's aspirational marketing, uh, you know, on steroids. It's disgusting. And it's a lie. If it takes that kind of technology to make you happy, you know, this bullshit, because it's not like, it's not like they're showing off, you know, hey, this is technology, you know, that, that will keep everything you do completely private from the government, you know, from all this. It's not like, like, I'm not hearing anything out of it that should make someone genuinely, like, intrinsically happy, perhaps value subjective. I know. Okay. <laughs> but really, you know, the, the, what is this crap? And if this stuff is making you happy, I recommend doing, you know, maybe do a little work on yourself. Because something's up. Ah, nonsense. Anyway, so the TVs are bullshit. And I mean, they, they, they really are all. So much of the tech that's there is really, it's tech for tech's sake. It's not innovation. It's not something to, you know, help propel people forward or whatever. It, it, it's, it's not to help. It's just to sell you something. You know, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, with, with buying into, you know, things that, that are, that are pleasing and, and, you know, that, that do genuinely allow for some kind of a good time. But really, I want, I want to hear, I want to see the real use cases. I want to see, this would be amazing. I would love to see a tech company, okay, do a real ad campaign with their product where they show somebody, you know, and you can do it in time lapse or whatever, and show somebody go through an entire day or a week or something, and let's see how much that technology gets used. Then let's use that as the gauge of value or the gauge of success. Because most of these tech companies are, I mean, they're just, they're full of shit. And this shouldn't be new to any of my listeners, but I'm just saying that, come on, <laughs> you know. <sighs> All right. So uh, just a little in between here. If I, I haven't, uh, before I get into, into the last subject, okay. Uh, I haven't done a game giveaway in a while. Okay. Now some people would say, well, don't video games, aren't, aren't they bullshit? No. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Uh, so I, if you want here's something I, I want and we'll, we'll get back into, into this topic. Okay. Um, if you would on Google plus or Twitter and tw Twitter would probably be the best. If you would share your favorite episode of sovereign tech, whatever one, it could be a special, it doesn't have to be a full on episode. You name it, share your favorite episode Use the hashtag Sovereign Tech. And I actually, just the, just the other day, I saw somebody use the hashtag Sovereign Tech, uh, perhaps for the first time besides me. Uh, I know I'm not the only one, but it's been the first time in a long time that someone used hashtag Sovereign Tech, and they shared the show, and I really appreciate that. So share your favorite episode of Sovereign Tech. Use the hashtag Sovereign Tech, and I will do eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And I'm going to give away a copy of Papers, Please, the video game Capers, Papers, Please, uh, on, on Steam. 
And this is a really interesting game. And in fact, a lot of people have said it's a very anarchist game uh, because, you know, it has to do with, uh, uh, you know, with sort of a, a East German, you know, uh, a style system where you are, you know, <laughs> uh, trying to get some degree of freedom, uh, you know, it, whatever. It, it's, it's a very unique game, very difficult to describe, but, but it's very interesting. So if you've been looking to get a copy of Papers, Please, I will, uh, you know, I will eeny, meeny, miny, moe you. I will DM you or PM you uh, the the code for it. Uh, but just share your favorite episode of Sovereign Tech and just make sure you use that hashtag, hashtag Sovereign Tech. So anyway, I said I would do that more and I, I wanted to get that. I wanted to start doing that. I'll be doing that per episode. We'll be doing, you know, a giveaway of a game. I have a ton of Steam codes to give away uh, for games and I want to make sure you give value for value. You share. Uh, I want you to have the opportunity to get something out of doing that. Okay. And so that, that's, that's why I, I, I released the codes, you know, or you could just do it and you could say, you know, you know, you could do like hashtag no game to tell me you don't want the game codes. You just wanted to help share the show, which is a, a you know, a very serious help to me. So anyway, let's get into the last bit. And the last bit I want to talk about uh, is a couple things there. First off, ironically, the chairwoman, I believe for the FCC was, was at CES. And one of the big topics about CES was internet of things. And apparently that was by and large, uh, the thrust of what most companies were offering up. Uh, and I guess Belkin was doing a really good showing of internet of things. And, uh, interestingly, the FCC, the, the chairwoman there, she, or yeah, yeah, she, she's the chairwoman of the FCC. She was saying, Hey, we need to be really, really cautious about this internet of things, things, uh, things, things they, you know, there's privacy concerns. Uh, there, there's security concerns. There's a whole slew of concerns over this. And we're not hearing about a whole lot of companies addressing that. Now, some, uh, some people of perhaps of more capitalist persuasion may say, well, that's the government holding down business, you know, and, and that's them. They want to, they want their piece of the pie and they want to figure out how to tax, uh, you know, these, these internet of things companies. And that's what that's all about. But I did find it strange that they were so concerned, you know, cause at the same time, I think people more of a more conspiratorial bent would be like, you know, and which I may be more in, uh, more in line with <laughs> in this case anyway, is that this Internet of Things stuff is, is all about control. And why would the government be against control? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. So it was interesting. I, I just I found it interesting that the FCC was, uh, you know, not very positive about Internet of Things. And I'm sure there's other reasons, too, that, you know, I don't need to take a whole lot of time exploring here, but you can look into and think for yourself. Always think for yourself, please. But the more interesting thing were the, was one of the guys very positive about Internet of Things, and that was the CEO of Samsung. And he made some interesting statements. One of them being is that he he was more or less laying out that in the very near future, you know, everything's going to be connected. And that by, I, I think he said by 2018, that every Samsung product, so buyers know, <laughs> Every Samsung product, because they do make great products, is going to be, you know, interconnected. Uh, you know, everything sold will be will have the ability at least, and maybe not just the ability, but maybe it'll be hard, you know, requirement, much like how game systems, uh, by and large, to get the, you know, get real use out of them, you have to be connected to the internet now as to where consoles used to be able to work pretty independently, which I thought was great, but uh, apparently others don't 
don't think so. They don't want the option. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to connect to the Internet. Uh, Internet of Things, you know, will be completely integrated into every Samsung product. And he said this will lead the way. And this is more or less a direct quote. This will lead the way to smart homes, smart cities. And now the term smart city isn't necessarily something new. Certainly IBM has has talked about that. In fact, IBM has gone so far as to say smart planets. Uh, and which we'll talk about, I, I've got a, a 2001 special, uh, you know, a, a space odyssey special coming out. We'll talk more about IBM during that. Um, but you know, a smart planet, but this isn't, you know, that's the thing. That's where Samsung didn't go that direction. They didn't say smart earth or that, you know what they, it's very interesting what they said after smart cities, they said smart nations now let's be very clear here that these speeches are heavily prepared every word is chosen with absolute caution granted samsung flounders often enough in at their own events uh, you know like like they they seem to be completely out of touch uh many times with the sensibilities of their consumers but I found it interesting that he used the phrase smart nations, as in this was an appeal to some degree of of nationhood, of patriotism. Uh, and you could say, well, it's just something he said, you know, you, you just kind of pass it off. And yeah, maybe maybe it should just be passed off. But I think it's more a hint into what Internet of Things is really all about. And it is about control. Control of your life, not by you, not you controlling your life, but the, they, them, those, the powers that be, whatever, controlling your life. Uh, I, I mean, you know, picture how far all of that can go and please, you know, I'm just, I hate because this is, I think we're at a crossroads. Okay. I was reading an amazing book uh, this week called the internet is not the answer by Andrew Keene, who is a, this is a guy that's been in the tech world long before I was born. Okay. And it was, uh, it's interesting because he was actually, and he was on with, uh, with Leo Laporte, uh, on the show triangulation, uh, in this past week. And he was saying, he says, you know, a lot of people are, are, you know, he was making the, the, the case that, that we are at, at some degree of crossroads to where we may have a choice. And Julian Assange just said the same thing, you know, that the Internet, there is there have always been choices for the Internet to not be, you know, to not hand over so much power to corporations, uh, you know, to, to to companies or to, you know, to governments themselves, uh, you know, all of these things. And Andrew Keene kind of was making the same point. But he says we're at a real crossroads now where we might be able to steer the ship a bit of a different way. And no one's, you know, and that's the thing. Nobody's saying that we no one, no one there, no, no one I'm talking about. And I'm certainly not. No one's talking about Luddites or Ludditism or Luddism, whatever they call it. It's talking about steering it in a different direction. Like I said, changing the relationship uh, with with technology. But Andrew Keene was making the case that a lot of people he's talking to, a lot of veterans in the tech world, a lot of up and coming people are saying this interconnectedness is the negatives are far outweighing the positives. And there are positives, but the negatives are far outweighing it. 
And I think that's interesting, especially when these companies clearly have it in mind that what they are putting out there at the heart of it ends off again. He, you know, take this as a timeline progression that the CEO of Samsung was telling you about smart homes, smart cities, smart nations. Unacceptable to any anarchist. A technology that bolsters the idea of a nation is antithetical to the goals of freedom. That's how it is, folks. Can you stop it? Can you keep it from getting released? No. But you can vote with your dollar, vote with your feet, whatever. You can, as a consumer, you can make choices still, right now. And I recommend exercising those choices before you don't have a choice. So many of these things, I feel, are, are absolutely about control. And, and, and they're failed. And, you know, I'm glad, at the very least, I've talked about Internet of Things in the past. I'm glad, at the very least, that they're already taking security very seriously with, uh, you know, with Internet of Things. And that they're, they're working on that right away. Uh, because that was a failure of the Internet itself is that people were not thinking about security, you know, uh, at first at all. And we're, you know, we're dealing with that now, heartbleed and, and, and things of that nature. So but I think this is, you know, because one of the arguments I think, though, that that's going to come up with this with the Internet of Things is like, look, you know, this is never it's like the Internet. This had never been done before. No, no, you're right. It's like the Internet, and we know now, you know, what the Internet has done, or we know the direction that we should have taken with the Internet, like Julian Assange is talking about, like Andrew Keene talks about, like so many, like John C. Dvorak, so many other people, you know, who have been there, they've seen how it could have been, they were, you know, they had their eye, eye on the prize, and they're telling you it didn't have to be this way. Well, here's our chance. It's very early on. And we have the opportunity to tell the market it doesn't have to be this way. Putting a chip in everything. Make the case. Make the case for me. You know, you can email me, Brian at ZomiaOfflineGames.com. That's really all Internet of Things is, is at the end. And this is what they'll tell you. The companies are completely unabashed with the fact that they're selling you bullshit and with the and with what it is. Okay. They are unabashed in saying Internet of Things is all about putting a wireless chip in every single fucking thing out there. Your choice. Anyway, I'll end it there. This is the second sovereign tech quickie. Uh, if you, if you don't like these little, little things, uh, you know, please. And that this one ended up going forever too. They're not that quick. <laughs> Maybe I'll find another name for them in the future. Uh, but of course, regular episode of sovereign tech coming out this week and next week got a special for you. We are going to do, I, I was going to make it a surprise, but what the hell it will be dark Android two. Yes, I will be updating my dark Android special. And that is all about, you know, how you can create a, a relatively anonymous, secure device, uh, you, you know, that 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 you could if you 
if you needed to run to the hills with or, you know, or if you just wanted, you know, for, for you know, doing various, uh, various market actions with, uh, this would be the way to do it. And so that will be out. Uh, a lot of people loved my first Dark Android. That will be coming out next week. Uh, that will be the special. So, and of course, another regular episode. They, I never miss them. Every Saturday, you've got a regular episode of Sovereign Tech coming out. And of course, we've been doing uh, two releases per week for quite some time. And uh, and people do seem to be enjoying it. But please do send me feedback. If there is, you know, to even, you know, send me feedback. How do you feel about the direction of the show? How do you feel about, uh, you know, the topics that are being brought up? Let me know. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, but if you've got negative feedback, that's important or not negative. But if you have, uh, you know, constructive criticisms or whatever, please let me know. It's important for me to, you know, to hear. I I, I like to know, uh, you know, how my audience feels about uh, anything. So anyway, Carpe Lucem, everybody. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.